what defines us is who we are as a collective group and, and uh, how we progress and gain momentum through the season. The Coach's Corner with St. Louis City Coach Bradley Carnell. Mondays at 9.35 on America's Sports Voice, KMOX. You are listening to the Voice of St. Louis, KMOX. You can hear us on 1120 AM and 98.7 FM right here. And if you uh, or are listening to us, you go to the we, you know that we have the Quiver River Electric Guest Line, where we're joined now by Colonel Jeff McCausland, CBS News military analyst. Colonel, how are you, sir? Well. Oh, no colonel? No colonel. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna find the colonel. Yeah, we'll do our best to find Colonel. Sometimes McCall's it's hard to find the colonel in a big vat of corn. Yeah, no got no doubt about yeah, it. Yeah, you just never know. But I'm I'm really uh, excited to talk with Colonel McCausland. He's very, I mean, he knows as much. He's been a member of the National Security Council. Uh, he knows as much about this stuff as anybody, and uh, right. so hopefully our technical well, issue will be resolved. Yeah, and talk about, uh, you know... How about I get over and work on that equipment, Michael? You know, there's nobody that uh, knows the ins and out of technical equipment better than better than myself. So, ah, it looks like... Here we go. Now, back on the Quiver River Electric Guest Line, we're joined by Colonel Jeff McClauslin. And good, good morning, Colonel. Good morning, you, sir. Uh, boy, we, we've been talking to you so much about Ukraine and Russia, and we're going to get into that in a minute, but uh, we're less than a week after this horrible terrorist attack uh, that's taken place in Israel. It sure likes we're gearing up for what could be uh, a long and protracted war in the Middle East. Yeah, I fear so. I mean, there's supposedly a saying amongst Jewish people in the past that <clears throat> things will get worse and then they'll get worse. And I fear that's where we may be at today. As we look back on the last few days, right now we know that about 1,200 Israelis have been killed in the fighting since it began last Saturday. Probably over 1,400 Palestinians have been killed as well. For the Israelis, one has to think about that, I think, in proportional terms. And, and that is Israel, a relatively small country, only about 10 million people. So 12 million Israelis being killed by a terrorist organization on their soil would be the equivalent of about 25 or 30,000 Americans being killed on American soil. Uh, in a period of less than a week. Yeah, it is. Uh, there's there's so many so many aspects to this thing. I want to start here on on the intel. So when when those four planes in on nine eleven were commandeered by a handful of terrorists, uh, they were able to train and execute relatively stealthily. What we saw last Saturday was a force of hundreds, if not thousands of Hamas terrorists who had been clearly well-trained. They had a a clear plan of action. They knew what they were going to do when they got there. And how was that missed by both Israeli intelligence and U.S. intelligence? Those those troops had to be training somewhere. They had to be getting instruction somewhere, and yet we just missed it. Yeah, that's exactly right. I mean, this is the greatest intelligence failure for the Israelis, certainly since— uh, almost exactly 50 years ago on the Yom Kippur War, where the Egyptians surprised the Israelis by making an amphibious assault across the Suez Canal and advancing into Sinai, followed by attacks by Jordan and Syria. But, you know, if you go back to 9-11, you may have an inkling, and that is in the executive summary report on the 9-11 Commission. They have a phrase that I always recall, and that is that fundamentally this was a failure of imagination on 9-11. I would say for the Israelis, this was a failure 
of imagination. I've spent a lot of time in Israel, spent time with the Israeli military. I can tell you, in dealing with Gaza, and this is the fifth war they fought in the Gaza Strip since 2009, as I recall, they would frequently use the phrase, mowing the grass, mowing the grass. But periodically, we have to mow the grass. In other words, every few years, there'll be a, a, a war or a skirmish with Hamas. We'll, we'll beat up on them. They'll go back into the Gaza Strip. Things will quiet down, and two years later, you got to mow, mow the grass. Uh, that's a sort of a level of self-assurance, uh, gratuitousness, uh, that can cause you, I think, to miss things. And I think that's what happened. We can control Hamas. They're controllable. Uh, and meanwhile, of course, Israel has been convulsed by great social unrest for the last year uh, over efforts by the government to change laws with respect to the judiciary. We also see this new uh, very extreme, most right-wing government in Israeli history coming into office and an expansion of fighting between the Israeli Defense Forces and Palestinian militant groups on the West Bank. Over 200 Palestinians were killed uh, in the last six months, even prior to this war beginning. So I think the combination of those things allowed the Israelis to take their eye off the ball and therefore have a failure of imagination. They couldn't imagine that Hamas could pull this off. And on the other side, in military terms, you have to give, as you suggest, I think Hamas great credit for organizing the first that I know, joint and combined terrorist operation. That is, they used air, land, and sea for this operation, literally thousands of fighters, and did so under a cloak of secrecy that surprised the Israelis tactically, operationally, and strategically. Yeah, it's, um, you know, stunning, uh, to say the least. Uh, so uh, Israel's army is amassing at Gaza. Uh, they're, they're dropping leaflets and encouraging uh, nonviolent folks to get out of there to go to the south. I don't know how that's going to happen. But we have to assume that at some point in the near future, there's going to be a ground invasion into Gaza that's going to be very bloody uh, and very difficult. I mean, that seems to be a given. But my question is this. Hamas is one thing. You've got Hezbollah to the north right. up in Lebanon. They're already involved now in this thing. Uh, what are the prospects for escalation? Are we looking at possibly a Syrian involvement or Iran getting directly publicly engaged in this thing? Uh, is that is that the chief concern at this point? Well, let's take this in two parts. Let's talk a little bit about Gaza and then the escalation. Consider the fact that the Gaza Strip is 140 square miles. It's probably smaller than the metropolitan St. Louis, for example. Now, put 2.2 million people in that particular area which translates to 13,000 people per square mile. And now conduct a ground operation, which you have to go door to door, apartment to apartment, room to room, basement to basement uh, in this particular fighting. This negates a lot of your advantages, heavy armor, mechanized vehicles. You've conducted a, a preparatory uh, massive air campaign, so every, everything's rubbled to begin with. So this is going to be an enormously bloody affair. Yeah, the Israelis have called for 1.1 million Gazans to flee flee where? They can't flee into Israel. Those borders are closed. They can go south, but again, can you imagine how those roads in an area that small are going to be crammed if all those people should try to move in, in 24 hours? Uh, and furthermore, they can't move into Egypt because the Egyptians have controlled the border. Frankly, the only open place they have is to go in the Mediterranean. That's about it. So that's going to be unlikely. So that's the nature of that operation. Escalation, enormous danger and enormous worry of the Israelis. Does that ground incursion trigger that response by Hezbollah that you suggest? Hezbollah, a far more sophisticated military organization. I've been up on the northern border of uh, Israel with uh, Lebanon on a couple of occasions. 
tens of thousands, if not more, rockets and missiles all pointed at Israel, ready to be launched. We have already seen, as you suggested, some artillery and mortar exchanges between Hezbollah uh, and the Israelis. That might ignite as well. There's also, though not talked about a lot, expanded fighting on the West Bank between Israeli defense forces and Palestinian militant groups operating there. And then finally, overnight, not getting a lot of press, uh, the Israelis bombed two Syrian airfields in Damascus and Aleppo. Now, why would they do that in the middle of this particular conflict? Well, one thing, to slow the flow of ammunition and supplies that Iran uh, provides to these various groups operating out of Syria and, and smuggled into the West Bank and going to Hamas. Darn. I hate that. I know. We lost him. We just lost him. That uh, was... Uh, Colonel Jeff McCausland, CBS was, New, was, News. Uh, that was unfortunate because he, he was... We were all of us were learning something. Yeah, absolutely. I do. I do have a real concern uh, over the escalation of this well, thing. I also want to know. I mean, look, we've moved the carrier group, uh, what Gerald Ford, right off the coast of Israel, um, and uh, of course, our weapons are there, and not only in Israel, but we have weapons in most of those surrounding countries as well. Um, and, you know, what role, if any, will the United States be playing? Obviously, this is an Israeli offensive, but right. are we there just if someone else were to hop into the fight? Or will we be playing a logistical role well, in helping I think the Israelis? I think the Ford, <coughs> Ford is there as, is. A, as a deterrent uh, primarily let's, at this point. Let's go back to the Quiver River guest line. Uh, Colonel, uh, one of the things that uh, I was just positing the question to you um, – Obviously, the United States has the Gerald Ford right off of the, right. the aircraft carrier. Most of our weapons and are, are in all of those countries. What role, right. or, if any, will the United States play in this offensive? Are we there just in case somebody else jumps into the fight, or will we be playing some type of a role in the assault on, on Hamas? Well, I think what we're doing, first of all, you're right. The Gerald Ford is offshore with its support ships. That is there for a number of reasons. One is to deter send a message to Hezbollah, Iran, et cetera, that you don't want to get involved in this, really. Um, it's number two, there to assist in the evacuation of Americans if this should get more severe. We're already seeing the beginning of an evacuation of Americans out of Israel. Might have to do the same from Lebanon. Thirdly, in terms of assistance directly to the Israelis, I'm sure the command and control systems aboard those ships may provide intelligence to Israel about incoming missile strikes, monitor the coastline for maritime incursions to provide them additional, perhaps, support in the area of intelligence, communications, and command and control. The United States has also sent additional fighter aircraft to the Middle East, most notably to the Gulf, as a deterrent as well, I think, further to Iran. That this particular moment is not the time that you want Shiite groups you back in Iraq to attack American facilities in Iraq or elsewhere in Syria and likewise. So we're playing, I think, a real deterrent role. And then finally, of course, is the resupply role of munitions. We have about six storage areas uh, on Israeli territory with about $2 billion worth of munitions uh, pre-positioned for our use in case of a large-scale Middle East contingency, but also available to be provided to the Israelis as needed in a crisis like we have now. And we know some initial uh, U.S. Uh, resupply of precision missiles has already arrived. But our problem in providing additional supplies and additional military aid to Israel, frankly, is hamstrung right now by the fact that we don't have an operational United States Congress. Until we can find a Speaker of the House, 
because Congress has to take action to vote funding for increased military assistance to anybody. So oddly, our internal political domestic weaknesses are hamstringing some of our foreign policy during a moment of great crisis. Well, there's no question about that. Uh, Colonel Jeff McCausland, retired uh, CBS News military analyst, joins us. Time is short, unfortunately, Colonel. Uh, I did want to ask this. And I, the the fund the ongoing funding of the Ukrainian sovereignty uh, is has become an issue. I don't want to deal with that. I I think I hope the United States keeps its commitment to Ukraine. They continue to fight the the Russians on Ukrainian soil and drive them out. Although I think it's going to take some time. But my question is this: I'm concerned um, that the same sides are on the same sides in both of these conflicts. In other words, the West is on the side of Israel and the side of Ukraine. Uh, the Russians, the Iranians, heck, the South, the North Koreans, for that matter, are on the side of the Russians and seemingly Hamas. Uh, is that a concern with both of these conflicts happening simultaneously? Well, it's certainly a concern, and one of the things you've seen already, of course, is in the news, and any, any talk of Ukraine has sort of disappeared, and the Ukrainians are very worried what this means for longer-term military assistance, without a doubt. That being said, and I'm sure Vladimir Putin went to bed last night, uh, and the last couple of nights, a pretty happy man, because it, this is all suggesting to him what he had believed all along, that the willpower of the West was not sustainable, would not sustain over time. His willpower was stronger than ours. And he could kind of wait us out in Ukraine. And by what Hamas has done with Israel, he believes, I think, just has accelerated that particular process. But I think it's a step beyond that to say there's, you know, some kind of massive conspiracy or complicity that the Russians were colluding formally with Hamas and Iran to orchestrate this particular attack. I think that's a little bit, a little bit beyond the pale for the moment, at least. But there's no doubt about it. Russians are benefiting from this in this particular moment. He is Colonel Jeff McCausland, CBS News military analyst, retired United States colonel. Uh, colonel, thank you so much for taking the time here on KMOX. Always a pleasure, guys. What an insightful dude he is, John Hancock. Hey, when we come back, we'll talk about uh, a conflict that took place on the other side of the state uh, that had some star power added after this on KMOX.